I'm telling you right now, when the glory rises, the face of God comes into the glory cloud. I'm going to blow your mind tonight. The glory of God. I'm telling you right now, the glory of God. It's a very real thing. I'm, I'm going to talk about tonight something that you, if you search on YouTube, you can't hardly find anything, anybody talking about this subject. And that's one of the reasons I feel like I need to talk about it. It's the glory of God, y'all. The glory of God. If we've ever needed the glory of God in our families, in our marriages, in, our, in, in the lives of our children, in our churches, certainly, and my God, do we need it in our nation. It is now. We need the glory of God. You should want the glory of God to reside upon you. And I'm going to break down. I'm going to show you some things in scripture that is going to blow your mind that it's even in scripture. I mean, you've read this story, you've heard these stories, but you didn't even really know until you studied the original Hebrew and Greek is going to blow your mind. So the glory of God is a subject that a lot of people don't talk about anymore. Uh, you know, you don't hear preachers preaching about it anymore. And if you do hear them talk about the glory of God, it's usually, um, quite frankly, not biblical and not scriptural. And, you know, the modern day church, for the most part, has abandoned the glory of God. But I'm going to tell you something, I'm not going to abandon the glory of God in my church, in my pulpit that I preach in, in my family, and I'm not going to abandon it on this channel. I'm not going to back up. I believe in the power of God. And I'm going I'm to hit these people tonight in love, in love. I'm going to give you love, y'all. I'm going to give you love. But in love, we're going to tackle these people that don't believe the glory of God is a very real thing. The glory of God is real. And it's sad to say that even some spirit-filled churches, even churches that believe in the gifts of the Spirit, even churches that believe in the power of God are denied denying the glory or they're putting the glory in, in a, in a box somewhere. In fact, I, I, I probably put three different types of churches right now, three different types of gatherings, maybe even call it three different types of preachers right now. We call, I call one of them the Ichabods, the Ichabod uh, preachers. Now I'm just going to be bold with you tonight. Wasn't that his name in the headless horseman or something? I can't remember, but uh, Ichabod, Ichabod was, uh, is, is in the Bible and it, and it gives, it tells us what it means. It says Ichabod means the glory has departed. The glory has departed. So, by the way, the Ichabod means they had the glory at one time, but then it departed. So there are some churches that the glory has just departed from. And I call them the Ichabod uh, churches. And quite frankly, there's some pastors that the Ichabod pastors, the glory has departed. And then there's the cessationists. The cessationists are, are those that don't even believe the glory even is, is possible now. They believe the glory was on the, the original 12 uh, apostles. And then when John died, the glory of God died with John. There's no access to the glory of God outside of John. Uh, and then there's spirit-filled churches that I talked about a while ago. These spirit-filled churches, they in their tenets of faith, in their doctrinal statement, they got we believe in the power of God. They got we believe in the gifts of the Spirit. They got we believe in Acts chapter two and the outpouring of God. But you would never know it if you went to their services. You would never know it if you heard their preaching because nobody preaches about the glory of God. Nobody preaches about the power of God anymore. But I'm gonna tell you something right now. You're gonna hear about it on this channel. You're gonna hear about it on the big picture because part of the big picture is seeing into the spirit realm. Part of the big picture, and that's the whole reason I call it the big picture, is that that you're gonna 
need the ability, and the only way you can have that ability is from the power of God and the glory of God in your life to see beyond the natural. Because when you look around right now, you see wars, you see rumors of wars, just like Jesus told was going to happen. And you see pestilence, just like Jesus told would happen. You see the stock market crashing. You see inflation going up. You see all this kind of stuff that will make you feel hopeless, make you feel like there's just no hope for this, this world in this situation. But the glory of God, the glory of God overrides all of that. I say it all the time in our church, you know, the, the stock market may be going down, the economy may be crashing, but I choose not to participate. I choose not to participate. Why? Because favor is better than money. And the favor of God's on my life. I'm praying the favor of God on your life. And But you know what? You can't have the favor of God without the glory of God. Now, I want to say this right off the bat when we get, and I'm going to get into some stuff. You got to stay to the end of this, y'all, because at the end, I'm going to show you something in scripture. I'm telling you, you cannot even believe it. You have to go back and double check me uh, just because because it's so unbelievable that you're going to have to go back and double check me. But I ain't scared because I know what it says. Let me tell you something about the glory of God. There, this is another problem that we have right now in the modern day church is we, we have people that want the glory and they want the miracles and they want the gifts of the spirit to operate in their life, but they want to live any way they want to live. Can I just say something very boldly to you? right now. You can't live any way you want to live. You can't model the world. You can't be like the culture of the world and expect the glory of God to come upon you. The glory of God is going to reside in holiness. The glory of God is going to reside in people who are pursuing holiness that are pursuing God. Now, I'm not talking about you got to be perfect. I'm not talking about everything's going to line up and everything's going to be hunky-dory, that you're, you're going to be the ideal perfect Christian. Okay, that person doesn't exist. But you need to at least be trying to abstain from sin. And we got a lot of preachers now. Now, you, if you ran into them at a restaurant, you ran into them uh, at a ball game or something, you'd be shocked because there's not really much difference between them and anybody in the world. And, and they expect the glory of God to come on them. Well, that well, they, it don't work that way, okay? While holiness, no man shall see God. The Bible says, come out from among them and be separate. Touch not the unclean thing and I will come unto you. God is calling us to come out. Be There should be something different about us. If we're not salt and if we're not light, if we're not penetrating the darkness with our light that is on us, then there's nothing different about us. So if you want the glory of God in your life, and I hope to God as a believer, and, it, and even if you're not a believer and you're watching this, and you begin to, the Holy Spirit begins to deal with you, and you're just like, you know, I don't, I don't want, if I'm going to go all in with God, I don't want halfway with God. That, that's another problem with the modern day church. We, we expect the world to buy into a religion, uh, which I hate that word, but accept Christianity and come to our church and worship with us, and we're the most depressed people in the world. I mean, the church is some of the most angriest, bitterest, Bit, bitterest, 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 bitterest is not a word. The most angriest, bitter uh, people that you'll ever meet. A lot of times, a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times you'll see people just miserable and misery loves company. So, you know, church has got a bad rap, but also church is quite frankly got the right rap because the way we carry ourselves, you can't give somebody that's addicted to crack cocaine or addicted to uh, Jack Daniels or or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what everybody's drinking right now. If they're if they're addicted to that, you you got to give them something better than that. If you want to see See somebody get set free from alcoholism, you got to give them something that's better than alcohol. If you, if you want to see somebody set free from drugs, addiction, you're going to have to give them something better than drugs, okay? And what we got is better than that. But if you take out the glory,
glory, if you take out the power, mm, uh, yeah, yeah, I know ultimately in heaven, name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, I know ultimately forgiveness and, and all that stuff is better, but I'm talking about if you want people in this day and age to, to receive Jesus Christ in their life, you're going to have to show them that it's more than just a ticket to heaven, all right? There is access to something called the glory of God, and I'm going to tell you, when I show you what the glory of God can do in your life and how the glory of God comes in your life, you're going to be blown away because there's there's one of the reasons that glory does not reside on people and doesn't reside in people's churches and doesn't reside in people's homes is because of a great misconception about glory. People don't understand glory. Glory is more than something that just resides on God. It is not just something that's on God. It is actually the atmosphere in which he dwells. Did you hear that? It's the atmosphere in which he dwells. It's not just what's on him. It's not just the persona of God. It is an atmosphere. It is an atmosphere in which he dwells. In fact, he doesn't dwell and he doesn't sit down and he doesn't walk in anything that is not filled with his glory. I hate to use this word. It's not addictive to him, but, but it is very attractive to him is the word I'm looking for. Everything that God does and everything that God has ever done has been done within the glory. It is within the glory. Okay, so now now you're going to understand that. If you'll stay with me for a min few minutes, you're going to understand me. Now, some of you still going to label this as heresy because you would label anything that talks about the power of God as heresy, but, you know, to each his own. Now, I want to show you something. Now, here it goes. Here it goes. Here's the controversial part. Here's where some of you going, ooh, you're going to get mad at me. And some of you going to want to check out right now when you hear what I'm about to say. And, and, you know, ultimately in the world of YouTube, you can do that. And I can't do anything about it. But I'm asking you to give me a shot to get to the end of this teaching and hear what I'm saying and then label me whatever you want to label me, okay? Uh, I'm, I'm going to preach the gospel because I believe what I'm about to tell you is biblical. And I'm going to show you that it's biblical. So here goes. Here goes the controversial statement about the glory. The glory, first of all, I said is an atmosphere that of which the that God resides in. But the thing that people don't want to talk about is the glory is actually an atmosphere. Oh, here it goes, here it goes, that can be produced, that can be produced by us. Now, before you check me, before you uh, judge me on those words, I'm not talking about something that we can just create and make it fake and make it from us. I'm just saying that when you understand glory, you will understand that we have a part in glory residing on us. We have a part in glory filling the tabernacle. We have a part in glory creating an atmosphere in which God is comfortable and is excited to move in. See, God is always, he's made it very clear in scripture that he desires to be invited. He desires to be invited. Okay, now he's everywhere. Okay, do you understand that? He's omnipresent. God is everywhere. You can't hide from God. You know, you you go on a, a deserted island out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and, and no, no nation knows you're there. The IRS can't find you. But God can find you because he, he ain't looking for you because he, he knows exactly where you are, where you are. So I understand fully that God is omnipresent and I understand that God loves everyone. So there's another great uh, misconception is because that God loves everyone. Therefore, all of his blessings are available to everyone. That's not true. God loves everyone, but his favor is reserved for his children. His favor is reserved for those that are doing the work of the Lord and serving him and pursuing holiness. So there are things that God, there are processes that God put in the word of God that is very clear when you study scripture results in something coming from God. Okay. Now I'm not talking about earning 
earning your salvation. I'm not talking about earning the glory of God or miracles. But I'm going to tell you something. God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. But his glory is an atmosphere that invites his intimate presence. That word glory, one of the words that's used for glory is is the word is defined as weightiness, the weight of God. Uh, not waiting on God, but the weight like what you weigh in pounds. It's the weight. It's the weightiness of God. It's the heaviness of God. And when that glory, the heaviness of God comes down, I'm talking about it is it is unmistakable. And you can say it's not there, but you, you will not be able to avoid it when the glory of God comes in. And that happens when we invite God into an atmosphere of his glory. When we create an atmosphere that is so conducive to miracles that is so attractive to the weightiness of God. Now, let me let me just show you some scriptures here real quick. All right, so the Bible tells us, very famous story, one of my favorite stories in scripture is found in Isaiah chapter six. It's dealing with, of course, the prophet Isaiah. And, and he, in, in a very familiar uh, passage, Isaiah chapter six, verse, eight, verse one says this, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He's sitting on a throne high and lifted up. And his train or his robe filled the temple. Now, listen to this. This is very key when you're talking about the glory of God. Above the throne, okay, picture this. Picture the throne of God the best you can because we really can't picture it on on our own. But just imagine what you think the throne of God may look like. And above it stood seraphim. These are angels, okay, seraphim. And, And each one had six wings. These are very unique angels in heaven. These are not just two angeled wings. These are six angeled wings. Each one had six wings. Now, watch what happens. With two, he covered his face. With two he covered his feet and with two he flew now i'm talking about that's that's just an incredible thing that you could break down right there but the part you've got to see that you skip right over when we're talking about the glory of god show me your glory lord is verse three of what these angels are doing they're not just flying around they're doing something very very specific and the bible says when isaiah saw this image of jesus on the throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. These angels, watch what happens in verse 3. And one cried to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the doors were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Several key things that you need to remember before I get to the end of this passage, because when I get to the end of this episode, you're going to see something that is that happened here on earth that is an earthly example of us that where you will see heaven, you will see the throne room. My God, I feel God right now. You will see the throne room replicated here on earth. Because remember what Jesus said to his disciples? They said, Lord, we see you praying. And when you come back praying, there's just, there's just, you already were anointed. But when you come back praying, there's just something on you extra. He said, let me, let me just tell you something. When you pray, pray after this manner. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whatever your will is in heaven, ever how the kingdom is operating in heaven, I'm teaching you how to pray. Pray that down on you here. Pray that down on you here. I didn't come down here and go through all that I've gone through and going to go through for you that you don't even know about just so you can get a ticket to heaven. I want you to have access to the glory of God. Now watch this. The angels cried one to another. First thing you need to understand is it's key that they were not saying this to God. They were not saying this to God. They were saying it to one another. They were not 
saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts to the Lord of hosts. They were saying it to each other. They were reminding each other. They were creating an atmosphere around that throne of that the angels gave no room for anything else other than to be reminded that the glory of God is here and they begin to speak over us. Isn't that awesome that, that the angels are speaking over us because we're the ones here on earth and he, he, they're, say, they're crying one to another they're reminding each other he is holy he is holy he is holy he's the lord of hosts and then they're reminding each other the whole earth is full of his glory but as they're saying that to one another it is creating an atmosphere it is continuously replicating an atmosphere of glory in which god resides now i'll show you things i'll show you in, in a little bit later and you can study for your own even in the book of revelation that even the beasts that are around the throne and even the the, the 24 elders and all of those that are around the throne, they are continually giving God the glory. And when this happens, when he looks and he sees this, the place fills with smoke. Why does it fill with smoke? It fills with smoke as the angels are proclaiming one to another, the holiness of God, declaring that the earth is full of his glory. And as they begin to speak glory, they begin to give glory to God. They remind each other. And as they reminded each other, the atmosphere just builds. The, at the fire of God in the atmosphere just builds. And then the smoke of God fills. The glory of God becomes so strong around the throne of God in this vision that Isaiah is seeing that the doorpost, the doorpost began to shake. You know, it's just like if you had a glass of water and you started pouring water into that glass and, and you know, that glass can contain all that water and there's no spill. There's nothing happening. There's no overspill happening. But if you keep pouring water into that glass, eventually that glass is going to get full and eventually that glass is not going to be able to hold the water anymore. And then the water begins to spill out over the sides of that glass and gets on the table, runs down on the floor. And if it keeps being poured into it, it'll fill the room. And that's what happens. It's, it's almost like the pressure of the glory begin to shake the doorpost. The glory can't be contained when people are continuously reminding themselves of the goodness and the glory of God. So what is the glory? How does the glory happen and where is it and what does it look like? The glory of God, let me, let me give you a couple of scriptures on the glory of God. Uh, that, that, because you're probably wondering, wait, we can't, we can't, we don't have no part in this. You ever said anything like this? Lord, I give you the glory. I give you the glory. Well, what did you think you meant by that? I mean, did you, you just, you're giving him something that you really don't have the opportunity to give to him? No, you are literally glorifying him. You are giving him glory. You are saying, God, in my world and in this moment, you are above everything. You are all that matters. I give you glory in this situation. And when you give God glory and you glorify his name, watch what, look at here. Let's look at the scripture. Psalm 50, 23 says this, whoever offers praise glorifies me. Mm. What? Whoever offers praise glorifies me. That's God talking. So whoever praises glorifies God. Revelation chapter four, I was talking about a while ago about the, the beast that, the, the, that are around the throne that John sees in the book of Revelation. He says, and the beast, Revelation chapter four, verse eight, give glory and honor and thanks to him that sits on the throne. They give glory. 
They give him glory. As they are giving him glory, something supernatural begins to happen in the spirit realm. Let's read on. Verse 9 of Revelation chapter 4 says, And the 24 elders fell down before him who sits on the throne. Remember, we just was reading in Isaiah. Isaiah saw an image of the throne. And now we see John seeing an image of the throne. In fact, he didn't just see an image of the throne. He was standing before the throne. He got taken uh, by God in the spirit before the throne. And he's seeing the 24 elders there that are around the throne. And he says, they fell down before him who sits on the throne and worshiped him who lives forever and ever and cast their, th- their crowns before the throne saying, listen, saying, this is what the 24 elders said when they threw their crowns at the feet of Jesus. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. Wow. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor. Well, how do you receive glory and honor unless someone gives you glory and honor? We, we read it in Psalms, whoever praises me glorifies me. We read it in Isaiah that the angels said one to another, reminding one to another about the glory of God. So we have a part. When that's, the, that's one of the reasons that unity is so powerful. That's one of the reasons why one can chase a thousand, the Bible says, demons away, but two can chase 10,000 demons away. Because when, when we get in agreement and we're giving God glory, it creates an atmosphere that's not just attractive to the presence of God, but it is also unattractive to the presence of demon spirits. Demons manifest, demons run, demons squeal when the presence of God is in the place. Now begin to see the manifestations as how I'm seeing it all over the country as I preach all over the world, doing nothing but just giving God glory, just giving, doing nothing but giving Jesus praise. You begin to see demons, spirits manifest in those services and they get cast out. So what is the glory of God? The glory of God, now listen, you might want to write this down. I'm going to put it on the screen for you. But the glory of God is a tangible substance. It is a tangible. You know what tangible means? Tangible means this is a little case here, guy. I can feel this. I can touch this. Uh, I can touch this AirPod case. It's tangible. It has, it has substance to it, okay? So the glory of God is actually not just some mysterious thing out there that is completely, uh, when I would say invisible, probably is invisible, but can manifest itself in several ways, mainly smoke, as we've seen, in, the, in fire and the glory of God. But it is a tangible substance that is produced when we praise God with each other. Now, yes, you can do it by yourself, but that's the power of the gathering. When we get together, you ever, you ever been, you ever just battled the devil on a Sunday morning and you was just sick or, or you was just depressed, you was wore out and tired and you almost stayed home and you just somehow found the strength to push through and walked into your church while people were praising God and the moment you walk in and the praise is going up and people are glorifying God, something tangible happens in you something tangible ha- you be, you can't explain it you don't even you can't even pinpoint when it happened how it happened you just feel different your body starts feeling different your mind starts getting clear and at some point in that service you say my god i'm so glad that i did not stay home that i came and got into glory of god now watch this let's talk a little bit real quick about and this is going to be a quick program i'm 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 winding down right now because i'm i got you got to stay to the end 
because the end is the big thing that's going to blow your mind. You know, creation. When God created this earth, I want to tell you something. Like I said earlier, everything that God does, everything he's ever done, everything he does, everything he ever will do is within the atmosphere of glory. So here's something that's so powerful about why the angels are continuously declaring the whole earth is full of his glory. It is of my opinion. That's biblical. That's not my opinion. What I just told you is, is fact. I just read that to you. But now this is my opinion. It is of my opinion around Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, when there, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Bible says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, and creation began. I believe with all my heart that the angels of God were probably just flying all around this void piece of darkness that would become known as the earth, declaring the whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth is full of his glory. And it was within the confines of that God began to speak. Now, we know that the glory of God was here on this earth in the Garden of Eden because God will not walk where the glory is not. And he would come down in the garden and walk with man. That's another uh, episode, another day to talk about Adam because Adam, that's why Adam, when he, when they sinned, they knew they were naked and ashamed. Well, they were already naked, but they were not ashamed. Why? Because they were covered in the glory of God. And that's why God could walk with them. That's why God could talk with them. And that's why they were hiding from him when the glory departed from them. I believe this is why God created the angels first before he created even the galaxies, before he even created the stars, before he created the sun and the moon, and certainly before he created us. I believe that is the reason that he created the angels, the spirit being of angels, so that the angels could proclaim the goodness and the glory of God and speak out the atmosphere that would be conducive to the glory of God, that God would call the stars out of, that God would call the sun and the moon out of, because everything he does, he does within the confines of his glory. So so if, if glory is an atmosphere in which God resides, then you know the best way I know to describe it is we are created to live within our atmosphere. Uh, God blessed us with an incredible atmosphere that most scientists believe has never been found on any other planet in, in all of the galaxies, in the Milky Ways, in the galaxies after galaxies. After, to this day, uh, they've tried their best. They want so bad to find another earth out there so we can, they can prove that we're not unique. But we're unique. We have a unique atmosphere here that we don't have to have any special equipment. We can sit here just like I'm sitting here right now, breathe the air that God has put us in this atmosphere. But if we go outside of this atmosphere, if we if we get in a spaceship and we go to the moon, we have to have special suits that are designed to create almost like a small atmosphere within that helmet uh, that we can breathe because without that special space suit, we we cannot survive outside of our atmosphere. One little crack in that shield, you've seen it on the movies, you've seen it all the time, you know something happens and crack, boom, all of a sudden they're dead. Why? Because they're outside of their atmosphere. Well, now God doesn't need an atmosphere to exist. That's not what I'm talking about. He exists everywhere. He, not, nothing happens to say, well, he can't go there because you know there's no glory there. God is everywhere. I'm not talking about the, the, the actual presence of of God himself there. I'm talking about the glory of God that is that is the weightiness of the miraculous, the weightiness 
of the creative power of God that has the ability to move things in the natural from the spirit realm. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Think about all that's in heaven. Heaven is full of his glory. Heaven is full of angels that are proclaiming glory. It's full of the beasts that, that are around the, the throne. It's, now it's full of the saints, billions of saints of God. Do you think the saints of God are not giving God glory? It is continuously, the glory of God is continually feeling. So heaven is full of the glory of God. There is not a place in heaven where there is no glory because all of heaven is filled with people, angels, and beasts, created beings who are giving God glory. But on earth, earth is full of the omnipresence of God, but is only full of pockets of people giving glory to God. Do you not look around at the condition of our world, even everything you see, even on this platform, YouTube, wherever you're watching this, and see the condition of the decline of the world in which we live in? Do you think, do you think those people are giving glory to God? Do, do, do you want to know why this nation and why your nation, wherever you're watching from not right now, might be in the position that it is in? Is because there's no one giving God glory like they used to be. There's only small pockets. And in those small pockets, the remnant that is alive, that's giving God glory, God is coming. Now, here it is. I'm finishing. I'm finishing. Now, remember the Bible says in Isaiah, I promise you, give me, give me five to seven more minutes. I'm done with this episode. When Isaiah saw the throne of God and the angels began to call out the glory and give God glory and create that atmosphere, the place was filled with smoke. Now, something about smoke. Smoke is the byproduct, listen, of something solid or tangible transforming into something gaseous or intangible. In other words, when you see a house that's on fire, you'll hear people say, well, the whole thing just went up in smoke. Well, what does that mean? That meant that at one time before that fire started, that house was full of lumber. It was full of electrical wires, full of plumbing. It was full of furniture, TVs, all kinds of stuff were in there. And if it was a really bad fire, you go back. And most of the time, you can't find it. any remnants of a television, of a couch, or anything. You might see a, a brick chimney, and that's about it. All you see is a rubble of ash, of which what might have been a two-story home, a 3,000-square-foot home, is now just a small amount of ash. Well, where did the rest of that building go? Where is it at? I mean, where where is the lumber? Where is the wire? Where is the furniture? Well, it's it's turned into a gas. It went up in smoke. And so when you see the smoke around the throne, when the children of Israel were going through the wilderness, a pillar of, of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night, you see, you begin to realize that the smoke represents something burning, something burning. And when you give glory to God, let me tell you what's burning. Let me tell you why it feels with smoke. And let me tell you why it's, it's the, the Bible. Well, let's just read it. Exodus 29, 18 says, and you shall burn the whole ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. And it is a sweet aroma, a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. Can I tell you something? It's going to, it's just going to absolutely just be mind boggling to you that, you know, that was in the old Testament. That was a sacrifice of animals. Well, we don't sacrifice animals anymore, but we still bring a sacrifice. We still bring a sacrifice. And what is that sacrifice? Hebrews 13, 15 says, 
says, and with Jesus' help, let us continually offer our sacrifice of praise to God by proclaiming the glory of his name. So, so in the Old Testament, they sacrificed animals. And when the smoke of the flesh burned in the Old Testament, it represented the sins were being forgiven. It represented repentance. It represented them doing what they were supposed to do. And it, be, it was a sweet smell to the nostrils of God. Well, the sacrifice of burning flesh, <laughs> I don't want to freak y'all out, is still a sweet aroma to the nostrils of God. The difference is it's not the flesh of an animal, an actual animal on the altar. And it's not even the, the flesh of our flesh burning. Uh, it is the, the carnal nature of man, the flesh of man, the sin of man. That's when we talk about the flesh. When we talk about the flesh, we're not actually talking about the skin. We're talking about the earthly man and the desires of the earthly man. But when we bring our sacrifice of praise, watch what happens. We proclaim the glory of his name. Now, the most famous thing in scripture about the smoke and the glory is the dedication of Solomon's temple in the Old Testament. In 1 Kings chapter 6, the, when the temple is being dedicated, I want you to know something. The Bible says, Jesus said, I don't want even the sound of a hammer being heard on the mountain. They had to cut the stones at the bottom and bring the stones up the top of the mountain and fit them in place. And they they fit in place tongue and groove. No sound of a The only thing that was happening on the temple mount, on Mount Moriah, where the temple was being built, was the sound of the Levites praising God 24 hours a day, seven days a week, giving God glory. And when it came time to actually go into the temple, when Solomon was coming in to dedicate it, when it was the day that it would be put into use as the greatest, quite frankly, facility that's ever been built, most people believe that it was, if it was to be rebuilt to scale with that amount of gold, it would be the first building in history to cost over a trillion dollars to build with that much gold. Now, I'm going to read this from the King James Version because this is how I learned it, and this is how it always goes back in my mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 13 is, a, is a, in addition to 1 Kings, instructions of the building of the temple, 2 Chronicles chapter 5 is a retelling of what happened that day when it, when it was when it was built. I'm going to read to you from the King James. It says, And it came to pass, as the trumpeters and singers were as one, unity, that's what I was talking about, were as one, to make one sound. They were in unity as one to make one sound. Does that sound familiar? Acts chapter 2, when they all got in one, plot, one mind and one accord, there came fire from heaven to fill the house. Watch how similar Acts chapter 2 is with this. To make one sound to be heard in the praising and thanks and, and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good and his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud. Same thing that happened at the, at, at, at the throne in Isaiah's vision. Is ha happens in this place. It was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord. Now, this right here's the part that about knocked me out of my chair. In 1996, I'll never forget, I was studying this. I got out my Strong's Concordance, and I could not believe what I saw, and you are not going to believe what you're about to hear. So that the priest, when the cloud filled, the priest began to stagger under the, under the presence and the glory of God. The weightiness of the glory of God just began to cause the priest to stagger. Verse 14, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. 
Woo. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the God. So we see the we see the praise, we see the unity, we see the smoke, then we see the weightiness. They can't hardly stand to minister, and then we see why they could not stand to minister. It wasn't just because of the cloud. I remember seeing that word reason, and it said by reason of the cloud. And I said, when my world, the word reason means to rationalize something or to reason something. Why is that here? Why is that word here? So you know what I did? And I challenge you to do the same thing. I looked up the word reason in the Strong's Concordance in the original Hebrew. And this is what the word reason means. It is the word paneum, P-A-N-I-Y-M. It's on the screen, paneum. And when you look it up in the Strong's Concordance, Strong's Concordance, by the way, let me help you and get you right to it, uh, number H6440, it means the face, the face, the face. Did you hear me? It means the face, parentheses, the part that turns, the head, the face, the head of God. It means the face and the head of God. Do you understand what I just said? This is what it means. When the cloud filled that temple on such a level of the glory of God, it was so attractive to the glory of God. It was the same atmosphere that is around the throne of God where he resides, where the angels cry out, holy, 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 is the whole earth full of his glory. That not just was the weightiness of God in that temple at the dedication of Solomon's temple. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to get this picture as the priests were praising and the smoke was filling and they were staggering. They couldn't even hardly see see because of the of the of the cloud and and they were just what in the world is going on here god the father himself looks into the place and sticks his head into the place open eyes and his because remember in the old testament no man could see god and live and when he stuck his face into the cloud of the glory in that temple they all fell backwards same thing that happened in the garden, the, uh, the garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was arrested. If you'll remember, remember the glory of God just came on Jesus right there and everybody fell backwards. That's the glory of God. They could not stand because of the face in the cloud. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe with all my heart that God is getting ready to this remnant church that we're a part of right now is about to see, about to see the face of God back in our gathering. Some of you are going to see the faith. God is going to stick his glory, his face into your homes. And you're, you're, I'm telling you, you're going to be overwhelmed by the glory of God and you're going to stagger. Some of you, I don't care if you label me a kook or what when I'm saying this. You don't, we don't need to see smoke. We don't need to see that to know the glory of God is here. I'm not one of them. But, oh, look, there's, there's angel dust and there's all this kind of stuff. I don't need all that stuff. But I'm telling you right now, there's going to be some times it's going to be so strong i believe the remnant is going to see the smoke fill the house whether they see it or not they will know this is different there's something different about this there's something different and people are not just falling out of the power of god I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm talking about people will fall on their faces. People will begin to weep and cry out what must i do to be saved the glory of god will you give him glory Will you give him glory? 
Well, it's hard to give him glory if you don't know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, then just say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins right now, God. Come into my heart and save me. And mean that and he'll do it. And now just raise your hands and say, God, show me your glory. I don't know about you, but, I, but I'm, I'm like, I'm like uh, Moses when Moses said, I don't even want to go if your glory does not go before me. Preachers, call out for the glory again. Cry out for the glory again. Invite the glory into your altars. Don't put them in a box. Don't send them to the small groups. Bring the glory of God back. He wants to come down. And weigh, put the weight in his. Remember, it says the Bible says he, in, he, in, he inhabits the praises of his people. That word inhabits means he enthrones. He comes down and sits upon the praises of his people. Will you give him glory? I'm going to give him glory. And the remnant is going to give him glory. God bless. See you next time on The Big Picture. <laughs> 